And now back to our normal scheduling. Here's a rather evil episode of Big Red Potion. by thegamereviews.com and now past the Unified Gamers Network you're listening to Big Red Potion the podcast that harvests little girls please send your complaints to bigredpotion at gmail.com and then go play some Bioshock anyway I'm your requisite host Sinan Kubba and I am as of this week editorial and features director for the Game Reviews uh, if you do send enough, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know who that was. Um, if you send enough death threats, changes will happen. So uh, everyone who's aspiring for promotions, that's what you should do. Uh, just ask TGR's preview director, Joseph Delia, the man who puts both the jet and the set into Jet Set Radio. How are you doing, Joe? I'm pretty fantastic, and I must say that Sinan Kuba is a sinister force to be reckoned with, getting himself promoted, which is why I must say congratulations on the new gig. Well, thank you very much, sir. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, kind of got a lot of things to do next week, but uh, yeah. Well, looking not so much looking forward to next <laughs> week, but after that, it'll be fine. Sure. Uh, anyway, uh, I would say that I was joined by two very evil guests this week, but that would be a big fat lie because uh, they're lovely, lovely people. Don't let Jared's devil's horns and Jeffrey's handlebar moustache fool you. Um, okay, that's not a lie. Jeffrey doesn't really have a handlebar moustache. So uh, joining us again lies. is a <laughs> is, uh, regular guest, TGR staff writer and preview factory, Jeffrey Matleff. How's it going, sir? Um, it's going well, going well. But we were talking before the show, I've been having some computer issues. So I haven't been on the internet that much lately, but made it for Big Red Potion. You did far better than me because it took me out of the podcast last week. So, uh, so well, well done. Uh we're also excited to welcome back Jared Newman, who uh, can be seen with his devil horns at Gear Crave, Technologizer, and CD Freaks. So, uh, Jared, thanks for joining us again. Oh, thanks. Good to be back. Okay, so uh, this week we're going to be asking our guests and you, the listener, to get in touch with your darker side. Uh, I know that might be hard for some of you, maybe not so hard for others, but in this week's episode we're going to be talking about playing as evil characters, or as Joe and I prematurely titled it, Have You Got What It Takes to Be a Jerk? In short, we're going to look at how games handle morality, how players handle morality in games, and considering what it means for a good-natured person to play as an evil video game character, and whether the lines between the two are distinct or worryingly blurry. So uh, let's kick things off by talking about some of the recent games we've all played, which have uh, interesting takes on morality, for good or for worse. And on that note, guys, who's played Infamous? I have. I reviewed you it have. for a TGR. Oh, you did? I didn't know that. What, what did yeah. you score it? Um, I gave it a 9.5. It's wow. probably my favorite game so far this year. Definitely has flaws, and I think that we're actually going to be talking about a lot of its flaws. I thought its morality system was you know, the biggest thing holding it back from true greatness, but uh, otherwise, I've really enjoyed it. So. 
Did you get a chance to play it, Jared? No, I'm I'm the poor guy without a PlayStation Three, so sadly no. no. Probably you're not going to be as as great a guest as you thought, because contrary to Joe calling me the most evil person he knows, I generally play as good in these sorts of games. So the first time I played Infamous, I played as a good character all throughout, with the exception of one very interesting dilemma in the third act where I I chose evil. And now I'm I'm about halfway through playing it playing it as an evil character now. And I, I think that the the fault of that game is that the, the story is very similar whether you play as good or evil. And as a result it it feels like your your choices don't have very much impact. It reminds me very much of Mass Effect, where you can basically be a really a good leader to everyone and save the galaxy, or you can be a complete jerk and still save the galaxy. And um, in Infamous, I I think that this story kind of holds up a little bit better if you're a good guy because it doesn't make as much sense. I mean, it makes some sense while you're why you're doing all these these deeds as an evil character, but it feels a little bit more incongruous with the character to all of a sudden, you know, want to start murdering people and going apeshit upon Empire City. Right. I mean, I, I absolutely agree. I felt it was a very cheap trick at introducing replayability, which I guess it's, it, it's done for you if you're playing for it again. And, uh, and choice, and it reminded me of Bioshock as well, actually, where uh, it's allegedly a very important thing that you're doing by, by either um, harvesting the little sisters or saving them. But... Uh, in both, we were talking when we had Jared on. We were talking this about about this actually talking about uh, uh, really the consequences of these things, and uh, it's actually uh, fine. It's a better choice in the end for you to to, um, to not harvest them. You get better rewards out of it, which are kind of I don't know <laughs> uh, undermined the whole thing, which was a very limited choice anyway. I mean, I, I don't know. What, we've all played Bioshock, I'm sure, uh, all, all of us here. Uh, what do we think of? A very similar system to Infamous in Bioshock. Uh, Jared, did you get a chance to play Bioshock? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, from from, I, from what I've heard about Infamous, it's not really the same, right? Because there's not, you know, it's just one very simple choice for for Bioshock, and uh, you know, it, it it impacts very little. Um, you know, it's just a, a matter of whether or not you get your your points for for new skills now or later. Um, it's not so much that it turns you into an evil character or, you know, with the, with the exception of, I guess, what you see as your ending. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess uh, what I it's an example that I had in mind for this episode, but I didn't really think of it as, like, a great example of a game that handles morality just because, for the most part, it's not really a big part of the game. Well, I think it had a lot to do with it. I mean, the reason that it had such an impact is that it was little girls that you were either killing or saving. I think had it been just some guy in his mid-twenties, there really wouldn't have been much of a, of a you know issue around it. I think it, it, it's, again, like you guys have been saying, it's a very A or B choice. There's really no big impact on your character if you, know, if you don't kill them or if you do kill them. But I think because it was like these little girls that are running around that you know people kind of got a little, you know, hazy about killing these these creatures um whereas you know um i don't know i don't really think it, it had as much to do with uh, a morality in that game as it was just you know what you thought was right at the time and what you um either way you weren't really winning but um i guess if you had an attachment to these people you want to see them saved and you wanted to uh, they tell you that you're going to suffer because of it but if you you know do it anyway see what happens 
Um, it's just based around whether or not you can bring up enough courage in yourself to kill these little girls or let them go. Right. Uh, so, okay, in, in that case, which ones, uh, which games have we played kind of last few years? Uh, and I'll go to Jeffrey first, that we felt handled morality in a really good, unique way. Oh, boy. Um, it's easier to criticize those that haven't because I, I feel like so <laughs> many games have, you know, created these binary choices. And I, I feel like the problem with, with doing that and Infamous is very guilty of this, is they have kind of a, a wishy-washy story where they don't want to commit too much to either either end. I kind of wish that they, they might go down two very divergent paths. And I'm wondering, like, okay, with Infamous, I really respected Nate Fox and Sucker Punch's commitment to just doing two separate stories, or, you know, as opposed to several different variants. But even those two weren't very different. So I kind of kind of wish games like that in Mass Effect and Bioshock, you know, were um, major choices. Um, maybe not so much that they mattered. I mean, I want them to matter more, but I'm also okay with some more authorial um, intent where they're a little bit more linear. Um, Mass Effect, I think, did it better than most games, even though it is very similar to Infamous, where you know the, the end result is very similar regardless. I felt like the I bought into that universe a little bit more. I cared more about how I treated my crew members because I thought that they were all interesting individuals and they react to you as opposed to a lot of games where they, they really don't. Um, I think that a lot of games that deal with morality best are games that are very linear, that they give you these... that actually don't give you a choice. Games that where you think that, that you're a good guy or that you're some kind of hero, and then in retrospect realize that you've actually been a jerk the whole time. <laughs> well, one of my examples would come onto your, your thing, but I'll, I'll go to Jared next. What do you think, Jared? Well, the, I, I think Fallout 3 is going to be something that we'll talk about. And actually, before we get too far, I thought maybe uh, I could read this this passage that I, I had found shortly after I had beaten the game and I was looking on the internet for you know various comments about the game. And since we are talking about uh, evil, you know, the evil aspect of these games with moral choice. I thought I'd read this thing because it, it really kind of struck me and I was really glad that I found it today just kind of looking around the internet. So this is about Fallout 3 and this is what somebody had to say about, uh, about uh, his experiences in the game. Um, so he says, I maimed them, watched them bleed and cry for mercy. I showed them no pity and laughed as they just crawled around on the floor begging me. I slowly and precisely executed each one of them and beat their remains into bloody pulse. I spent the afternoon burning all of humanity. I slaughtered every fucking town, every wastelander, every settler, every trader, and every raider, from the Dunwich Building to the Republic of Dave. My righteous fire purged the capital wasteland. Screams echoed and blood ran. I methodically tortured, murdered, and destroyed every last living fucking creature. Why? Because I can. So have a nice day, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I mean, that's not really the path that I took in Fallout 3. But it struck me that you know that's that's an extent to which you can go in the game if you want, and uh, it has a pretty has a pretty big impact. You know, if you you can you know off entire settlements, and that you know that part of the world will no longer be available to you because because that was your choice. Um, so so I think I, to sum up, I'd have to go with Fallout Three as uh, one of the best examples that I've seen. You know, being able to be an evil character. 
just finished Fallout 3 about a month ago, and um, yeah, I was struck by how much would change depending on every single choice in that game. I mean, the fact that the first thing you really do in that game when you get out of the vault is you can either go into this town and save all these people from this ticking time bomb in the middle of their, their vocation, or you can press one button and it wipes out every quest, every choice, every character, every possible option that you would have had in that town, wipes it out in a split second when the bomb goes off. It's just kind of mind blowing, and um, that's that really can't think of many other games that have that kind of um, moral weight to some of the decisions that you make. Pretty crazy. I'm inclined to to agree with that. However, I Fallout Three is an extraordinarily ambitious game, and in some ways it works really, really well. Um, I really like how much impact you have. At the same time, the the folly of that game is that. It, it doesn't do a very good job at, at connecting you to the characters in it or having them react to you. So I never really felt like I was a character in this world. I, was, I felt more like I was just a camera with a gun. And as a result, I found the way that I play that game change very greatly depending on both the mood I was in, how much I was attached to that character, and, and, just, very, and just how much I bought into the universe at that particular time. You know, certain characters I, I really liked, and like, okay, I'll be nice to this person. Other times, for example, Three Dog, I just got tired of hearing his voice on the radio, um, especially because he did the same updates after a while. So I murdered him in his sleep and then ate him. <laughs> As oh. you do. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, isn't that good, though? I mean, don't, I mean, you, see, you seem to have a problem with that, or, or am I reading you wrong? I mean, it seems like it'd be great to have a game there where you can make those kind of decisions. I like that you can make those kind of decisions. I, I'm just saying that I, I, I didn't feel like I had a consistent character in that game because I couldn't see them and people didn't react to me. You can walk around with a little lamplight with a, a ghoul mask and people just react to you as, as though you were completely normal. So, which is fine. I mean, I understand so it's you know, a very ambitious game. They can't do everything. But as a result, I felt like um, it, it really distanced me from the world. The world felt more like a playground rather than some place where where I had any real impact. Like if people were, you know, if people reacted differently to me if I were a jerk, that that may have changed things a bit. You see, I I, I think that's interesting because uh, I always think with games where you create a character and you're putting the first uh, person view, you're more likely to uh, impose yourself upon the character and and in some ways become the character because you're looking through their eyes and you've put some input into who they are. Um, I just wonder. I, I know Half Life is a, is a creative character. Gordon Freeman is a character from the beginning of the game, but uh, I always found myself kind of becoming him in some ways in Half Life, and that's why I kind of enjoyed his uh, interactions with Alex particularly. And I guess with Fallout Three, I thought that the I agree with you that. There are some problems with, say, the character interactions in particular because of the way that they are so static, kind of the hangover from Oblivion. But uh, I felt the writing and the voice acting was so much more improved from Oblivion that uh, I could just about immerse myself in it. And once you can with Fallout 3, I just think that the choice in that game, what you can choose to do, like like Jared was saying, uh, really be anyone you want to be in that world, it's, it's... I found it really exciting, and that was why it was probably my favorite game of 2008. It's interesting that you mentioned Half-Life before, because I was, I was actually kind of hoping we could get into this a little bit at some point today. Um, there, you know, there are games that don't have morality systems that still allow you to be evil, and Half-Life comes to mind, because 
you know, there are non-player characters that you can interact with that, you know, you can kill. Um, you know, like, you, you, you bring a scientist with you so that he can open the door, or that he's just hanging around, and you can, you can kill the scientist, or you can kill the security officer that steals weapons. Um, and it doesn't really have an impact on the game as a whole, but it still allows the player to sort of decide whether or not they want to be a jerk or, uh, or you know, just be the nice guy. And there are other games. I mean, Grand Theft Auto is also a great example. Um, so I don't know if you want to talk about that now, but, I, I mean, I think it's something that uh, it's worth considering when talking about being evil. Yeah, I certainly think uh, we'll, we'll come on to that, and, and particularly in relation to Grand Theft Auto uh, 4 and, and uh, GTA 3 games, uh, because that's certainly something uh, with that game that I think is relevant. Um, I'll just quickly mention my example, which, uh, like I said, comes under Jeffrey's example of a, uh, a game which I think is actually uh, kind of maybe done it the most in- interestingly out of all the games that have this the kind of hero that goes bad, when that was actually Braid. Uh, so someone could scratch it off on Big Red Potion Bingo if they want to. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we're, hitting them all, we're hitting all of them right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh yeah. Going for the full twenty-five today. Uh, yeah. So Jeff's mustache, uh, by the way, just one. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's already mentioned actually by Sinan. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you have to scratch for it a few oh, times right. now. Um, yeah, Braid. Obviously, just to quickly go on that. I mean, you, the whole thing. Obviously, with, uh, spoilers is with uh, with the main character. Looking like he's talking about his his girlfriend and and his love life, and then it all being something far more sinister, relating to nuclear bombs or whatever your interpretation is of, of that game. But uh, the, the the way it was revealed was really interesting, and it made you kind of consider what the hell have I been doing over the last uh, three hours? What does it all actually mean? And I found it really really interesting. Um, but okay, let's let's quickly move on. Like Jeffrey just said, he always plays as a good character, and I know that, Jared, you told me before the show that you always play as a good character as well. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not really sure if maybe it's like a maybe it's like a deeply rooted psychological issue that I have or something, like you know, I'm not comfortable playing as the bad guy, um, but I, I don't know, there's something that when I I, I think it touches on what you said before especially like when you when you create a character and you, if you're, if you're the kind of person that likes to create a character that looks like you and is supposed to be you know, embodiment of you, then you don't want to go around you know, being an asshole unless you unless you fancy yourself that kind of person. So, uh, so I, I don't know. That I can't really think of any game where I haven't gone that route. So that's my thing also. Like, when I get into a game that has this kind of moral choice, I, I tend to project myself into the character's shoes, and I don't, like, I really very rarely do something that I don't think I would do in real life, and I don't know why I make this decision. It would probably be more fun if I made all these crazy choices in games and did a whole bunch of crazy things, but... Like, even in Fallout, like, I tried to do 100%, you know, good things in that game, and I made one little mistake that sent a couple hundred zombies into a city and slaughtered everybody, but that was a, a minor error. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's definitely a weird choice. I mean, uh, I know certain people that always do bad. They always take the bad route, and, and, they, and they enjoy playing games that way. But for the most part, everyone I know kind of chooses good their first time through games, kind of sticks to the, the, the good path, and I don't really know why specifically that you know we're pre you know destined to always pick this path whenever at least I am anyway I know that I will always choose the good path in every game by default um, but this seems to be the way it is uh, Jeff what about you do you have a specific reason why you like to do these things or yeah I've been uh, thinking about it as you, you guys are talking and I think that 
a lot of it comes down to the fact that most of these games, the narrative holds up better when you play as good. It just seems out of character to, to all of a sudden be a jerk. And I, I often like to play games a second time, doing all the wild and crazy stuff, you know, hopping around on scientists' heads in Half-Life and, you know, um, killing everyone in, in Fallout and in Fable and those sorts of things. And I always find it very funny when I do that, but it, it, it's narrative-breaking. Um, you know, the reason I played Prototype was just another game like that, where it the the gameplay is hilarious. You can just grab people and consume them, and it, it's funny. It just it doesn't hold up at all the story, which I guess in that case I didn't mind because I thought the story was particularly shoddy in that game. But just in general, it I mean, you can be a jerk basically in almost any game. You know, in Gears of War, for example, you can just try shooting your squad mates, and I think bullets go right through them, but I haven't seen very many games where they do a really good job of making it, where they make it so there's good incentive to be evil. It's usually, uh, you know, kick the puppy or not, or something of, of that nature. The, the best games that deal with morality are the ones where they, you don't realize that you're being evil. Um, Sinan brought up Raid earlier, I was thinking something like Shadow of the Colossus, where you're a very sympathetic character the entire time, you're just trying to trying to revive your uh, your lover, but for but you're um, creating harmful impacts on the environment. It's basically the story of Frankenstein. It's someone who's trying to cheat death, not so much for themselves, but for someone else, and they mess with nature, and there are much greater consequences for what they've done. And you look back at it, and you think, well, you know, that character did some bad things, but the way you're introduced to them is, is that they're likable and sympathetic, so you don't really realize it until you've put the game down afterwards. So do you think if a game was geared more towards the evil side, would you choose that path, just because that's the way it was intended to be played? Probably. Like, one game I could think of where I, I did play evil my first time through, probably the only game I can think of, at least in recent memory, was Bioshock, where I, I killed little sisters. And the reason for that was I didn't feel I was being evil. I mean, sure, the, the scientist woman says that she, she feels like she can cure them, but I didn't really buy that. I mean, I, I figured she that was her intent. But, you know, one look at the Little Sisters, and they don't look human anymore. It it just reminded me of any zombie film where, you know, someone doesn't want to kill a friend of theirs because they're a zombie now. And you look at them like, they're no longer human. They're too far gone. I considered it more or less a mercy killing. Like, they couldn't go on and lead normal lives anymore. And by the end of the game, you find out that they actually can more or less be cured. But I didn't feel like what I was doing was evil. Um, even though, you know, in retrospect it was, but the way that I was introduced to them was just, you know, these these are not girls anymore, they're monsters, and this is what I need to do to survive. Kind of seems like a failure in communication on the game's part to me. That's, you know, the way that you were looking at it. Did, didn't it pull at your heartstrings when they were screaming as you as you harvested them, no, please, no, when you're like thinking, oh shit, I've made a, maybe I've made a mistake here. Um, I guess maybe I was a little disappointed in that because it was one of my most anticipated games, probably of all time. And I still like the game a lot, but I was really disappointed at how they handled the choices. I thought you'd be able to kill them in-game. And now that I think about it, I can't think of any games where they allow you to kill children in-game. Not because it would be you know, fun or sadistic, I just thought it would make the game world more interesting That if you had to kind of... The way that I interpreted the game when it was previewed before it came out was that you'd have to try and separate the girls from the big daddies and then, you know, steal from them or murder them or what have you. And I just felt that the way that it went about it, you have to kill big daddy and then you have this very binary choice, you know, right down to the 
hitting one of two buttons I thought was kind of poorly implemented. Oddly enough, I felt worse for the big daddies in that game. And I'm not sure really why that is. I guess they because they don't speak and they just have that creepy whale whale groan and they're just trying to protect the little sister. I, I felt really bad when I had to kill them. Little sisters, I don't know, maybe just they were overhyped or too much was made from them, but Right. Yeah, just to play devil's advocate then, uh, don't don't you think when it comes to life or death it is a bit black or white and really at the end of the day it is A or B. So it kinda in some ways the binary choice is justified. Yeah. I I suppose that makes sense. I, I think I was more just didn't like the way that the game went about it uh, mechanically, how how you couldn't separate them and it, it felt kinda of like a cop out how you both couldn't do it in game and how the you know, the murders are off screen. It probably would have been a lot more I think more harrowing if you could kill them in game because I can imagine killing them by accident, which I imagine would probably happen if you were in that situation. Hmm, it's interesting. Uh, okay, I mean, I, I I think I'm like all of you really. I kind of most of the time play as good characters. The one time I didn't or don't uh, to use the present tense because I'm now playing again is a uh, World of Warcraft, and. Uh, that's when I chose... I don't know if anyone is familiar with World of Warcraft, but I played the Blood Elf character. Uh, and I don't mean... Sorry, that sounds stupid. Familiar with the characters within World of Warcraft. Um, I, play, I played as, a, as the Blood Elf character who, uh, again, I guess you could say, kind of almost fits that hero-turned-evil thing because they're the Moon Elves kind of uh, impurified and, and darkened. And I just... I, I guess I like them as evil characters because they pertained more to the kind of... <laughs> um, aristocratic villain kind of twirling their moustache evilly and looking awfully dashing as they as they killed everyone kind of affair uh, more than the kind of I've just got no soul and I'm killing everything I see kind of evil which was I, I guess and that kind of made me think about why I tend to play as good characters and but when I because I've got a bit of a uh, amdram background uh, why I prefer acting as evil characters or or you know, intent to be honest, jerks and people were <laughs> losers or whatever. Because it, and uh, I guess it's the difference between um, role play and projecting yourself. And I, I think I, I tend to project myself onto characters in games, whereas I'm uh, with acting with these role play. I, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Well, it, seem, it seems like there's like a personal preference there. You know, I mean, no game is is necessarily saying that you have to do one or the other, right? I mean, there's always going to be a degree to which you can you could see yourself as trying a role that's that's not you or you can uh you can try to be yourself um and like i I, like i said earlier i mean uh a lot of times i feel like i'm just uh i'm trying to be myself i guess that's just what i what i'd rather do in a game um and maybe you know i don't don't know why why i do that but uh i think as a player it's interesting to ask yourself that question when you're when you're doing your character creation that kind of thing Sure. I mean, I, I guess I, I to go to Jeffrey then. I, I guess why I'm asking is I specifically use the word role play because uh, you know plays in that word and and video games are like we were arguing about three three weeks ago a form of play and I uh, it's interesting that maybe for some people we kind of we find it hard to to role play in video games. I think it's most just instinctive for people to to want to be themselves and. Like I was mentioned with Fallout 3, I had a hard time staying in any particular character just because it it would keep changing from time to time. And I would always think, like, okay, how did I react, you know, when I played this game three days ago? And it, 
you know, you have to really become an author at that point and really try and keep your characters consistent, which is, you know, a lot of effort. And, you know, it's, I, I guess it's an interesting writing exercise, but for the most part, it's, you know, it's hard to create a character. It might also just be, I mean, I, I, I feel like there are certainly players that enjoy that idea of stepping into uh, a certain role. But I, I don't know, I feel like for me it might be, you know, it, it's, it's easy to stay consistent as, you know, to sort of be yourself in a game. Whereas if you, if you take on a certain role and you realize you don't like it, then, then you're kind of in trouble and you, you, know, you lose interest in the character you've created wherever. Whereas if you play as yourself, it's kind of like, you know, you're always going to be happy to, to try to project uh, whatever you think is, is your, your own personality. Well, I think a lot of games try that now. I mean, they have the you know, first-person perspective, or you get to make your own character, or you get to make a lot of decisions in this character's journey, whereas you know, as older games, you're pretty much just playing as this character that's already been defined. But now it's more about defining the character that you want and playing it the way you want. And I think in those cases, you would more likely than not project yourself onto them because that's kind of what the game is asking you to do. It's asking you to make these decisions as you would make them in most cases. And as Sanam was saying, I think some people do more role-play and get into their role and enjoy, you know, being the evil, sinister dungeon keeper or something like that. But on, on the opposite, and I think that most of the games now that are being built, especially for consoles, are meant to really more be what the player wants to do, what the player would do in this situation, put you into that world. And I think that's why a lot of people, um, you know, stick to what their moral, moral you know, uh, casing is in real life in the video game as well. I think that might be why I have such a hard time with it when they give you that much freedom. Whereas if you're playing as a specific character, it's easier to roleplay because you've seen that person, you know, behave from the third person point of view. And then when you, when the, then when they give you a choice, it doesn't seem as difficult to make. In, okay, it's interesting again that you say that because uh, that relates back to the game uh, Jared brought up at the start, which is Grand Theft Auto 4, which uh, a lot of people. I, I never really heard these complaints of Grand Theft Auto 3 or San Andreas or Vice City, but I had a lot. I don't, I don't know whether it's just that game, you know, the fourth iteration got that much more attention. Um, there were a lot of people complaining that they couldn't be themselves or couldn't make the choices they'd want to make as Nico in Liberty City. And they, <laughs> even some people going as far as saying, I wanted to try and. Uh, lead a more respectable life, which I think is kind of missing the point of the game a bit. But you know, say like they didn't, they didn't want to choose between killing one character or the other. They didn't want to have that choice. They they wanted to be able to say, no, I w what I would do is I wouldn't kill either of these characters. Uh, and I guess that's what Jared was saying. Kind of I, I, with Grand Theft Auto's popularity, obviously, was uh, the fact that it was in this realistic setting and you could go and complete, be completely destructive within it and uh, rebel against reality. And it didn't really matter to the story, which I guess is kind of what you were saying with Half-Life and that you can just do all these terrible things but then go on and uh, lead the most perfect, uh, as moral, uh, morally good as you can, a, a life in, in GTA 4, which is, again, not that moral. But uh, uh, I guess what's interesting then is that even with that game is a third-person view in GTA 4 and a very, very defined character, people had a lot of problem, but just, just the choices and, and the morality in that game I mean, I've never been a huge fan of the of either open-world games or Grand Theft Auto titles, but I thought they they did a good job of defining a world in that game and, and defining the characters and making this somewhat realistic world that you can play around in as a, as a sandbox. And um, I, I didn't really get attached too much to the story or the characters. I thought they were more caricatures than anything else, but... Um, 
I, I did see why some people could, and I know a lot of people that really got into the story and really felt for Nico, especially during the later uh, areas when uh, certain close friends of his go go down. And um, I don't know. I think I think with that game in particular that it's not really the choices you're making. I mean, either way, in the when the choice in that game, we have to kill. It's like an old school gangster or like a, a young. Uh, regular, uh, new, current gangster, uh, I think you get more rewards if you kill the older guy. Um, like, and you're, you're killing two evil dudes. No matter what you do, they're both evil dudes. There's not a good guy, bad guy, good choice, bad choice there, but they kind of make you like one more than the other, which is interesting, and they kind of say they will reward you more if you kill the good guy than the bad, which most games don't do. And I think that's why a lot of people had trouble deciding because, you know, their mind wanted them to go with the killing the bad guy, but their wallet wanted them to get them to get the good guy and get all the rewards that you would get from that. So I think by making the the uh, the good choice uh, you know, not uh, beneficial to Nico was an interesting decision. And I'm sure I would like more games to do that. Like we said about Bioshock, there's really no um, you really don't get punished for choosing the good path in that game like they suggested you would, and I would be interested to see more games do that in the future, where if you do decide to take the good path and do all these things uh, well, you will somehow get punished in the way for that. I feel like that happens a lot. I mean, uh, um, from what, from reading reviews of Infamous, that was my, my impression was that the evil powers were way cooler than the good powers, and I know one of the first games that had morality that I played, uh, which would be Jedi Knight, uh, it was kind of similar, you know, if you went with the dark side, you got to, you know, force throw things and force choke people, which is way cooler than being able to heal yourself. Um, and even Mass Effect, I hear people say that, you know, the, the interactions are just more entertaining when you're playing as the bad guy. So I feel like that's being done. Am I, am I, am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong, but I think um, it's maybe not been emphasized enough. And I think in Infamous, that was one of the things I felt. And I, didn't, I never really noticed that incentive or really... I, you know, even when I did evil things, and I, I, I like uh, Jeffrey, I played a tiny little bit of the evil side afterwards. I didn't really think it was that much more cooler or whatever. And I, I guess I, it would be interesting to see a game which really was saying, to be honest, if you play this good, it's going to kind of suck. But if you play the evil, it's going to be really, really interesting. That I, mean, I don't want it to suck, obviously, but it, it, it would be interesting if the game really, really gave made much more incentive to play as an evil character. In any case, I'm not really, I'm not really in agreement with you. Uh, I don't really like the idea that the game would, would try to force evil on a player by taking away the incentives um, that you would have being good. It just doesn't really sit well with me, uh, especially because I know that, that a lot of players do look look at it as a very simple, uh, you know, which will benefit, what will benefit me as a player. Uh, just from reading, I guess this may not be the best metric, but just from reading forums and stuff, I know players think that way, and uh, you know, I certainly wouldn't want that to be the motivation in a, in a player to, to choose good or evil. It's just, you know, how many more riches you get. It seems to cheapen the whole experience overall. I disagree, obviously, but uh, I kind of there's a I kind of shared sentiment almost in that I think the binary choice it's flawed, and I I don't want to see games be that black and white. I'd like to see moral choices be more complex and uh, difficult and. Uh, infamous tried and failed at that really with a lot of its ones just like saying uh, well this is the good thing but there's this bad uh, consequence and this is the bad thing but it kind of has this good consequence and it just didn't 
I don't know. It didn't sit well with me at all. Uh, it, I, I don't think any games really ever impressed me with that at, at attempting that. Well, one of the things uh, me and Jeff actually saw at E3 when we sat in on a, a Mass Effect 2 uh, discussion was they said in that game the decisions that you make will affect the way that the game goes. And, and uh, just basic storyline summary of Mass Effect 2 is that you're you have to um, you have to gather together a bunch of soldiers to go on this suicide mission. And uh, at any point in the game, you can go right to that suicide mission. Like, right away, a couple hours in, you can go do that final mission, and you'll fail. But the object of the game is to go around to different planets and recruit soldiers for your party that you take with you to this final mission. And the way that you act in the game is um, is what it will affect the way that these soldiers think of you and what happens in the long run. So basically, if you, if you pick up a soldier who's a good guy, and you start doing all these evil things. That soldier is not going to like you, and in the final battle, he might leave you to die. But at the opposite end of that, if you pick up a soldier who's a bad guy, and you do all these good things, he might not like you either. So you kind of have to play this balance, and based on the people that you have in your party, you have to kind of appease their, their, their thoughts on things to keep them in good spirits with you for the final battle, where they will stick with you until the end and help you fight this final boss. Or, you know, of course, if you don't do that, they will leave you, and you'll basically be set to your death in the final moments of the game. So, I mean, that kind of... Again, it's also kind of binary where you have to just... It's, I'm sure it's going to be some kind of meter that you have to keep up of, you know, this guy likes you, this guy doesn't like you. But um, it is interesting the way that they're try, kind of trying to make your morality play into the roles of the characters in the game more and the way that things play out in the final act. And I like that idea, and I hope that more developers take that and run with it because it, it definitely makes each interaction in the game something else because you have to consider all these other things that might be affected by what you're about to do. And it's oh, interesting. Oh, God, I hope it's not a meter. I was just going to say, I was they just going say. to say exactly that. I, I mean, don't know. <laughs> you know, we, we, we've, we've just praised Fallout 3 so much and saying it's, it's the one that maybe offers it more interesting choices, but even that game relies on the morality meter and the idea of this, this ridiculous concept that you can go, you know, kill... Uh, I don't know, like a priest or someone, and then as long as you give enough tramps water, then it all cancels out. <laughs> it's just a ridiculous concept, which games haven't yet progressed by, uh, beyond. And I guess that's technology at the end of the day. I mean, it's we're asking very, very complicated things from uh, if we if we want choice to be less black and white than than it is in video games. Um, to kind of get, to, to move on from that, then, if we're talking about strictly as, as playing as evil characters and uh, I don't know, I, I haven't played it, but from what I understand, prototype's main character, Alex Mercer, is not exactly uh, the kind of person you take home to meet your mum. But uh, I, when do the lines get a bit blurry between reality and video games? And obviously there's been a, a lot of media blare about video games making kids evil, and you know we have a certain JT to blame for all of that. But uh, do you think that maybe we're a bit too defensive of the medium and that maybe we're, we're as a community, not that willing to explore whether they're whether the interactivity element of video games might actually make things a bit more different. And, and and to go from that, do we really believe that there aren't kids out there playing Grand Theft Auto 4 and getting a pretty screwed up outlook of life from it? Um, well, I mean, obviously I'm a little biased because I'm you know, a big fan of games and I've liked a lot of violent games, but I'm not a, a child psychologist, so I'm not sure the effects it has. I'm, I'm tempted to think that anyone above the age of you know, seven or eight really understands the difference between reality and a game, but again, I'm, I'm no expert on the subject. I, what interests me is, I, earlier we were talking about, uh, 
you know, playing as evil in the game. And I was thinking one of the games I can think of where you play is a more evil character than you know most games I could think of is Secret of Monkey Island. So Guybrush Three put in that game. He there's a joke in the second one. There's a wanted poster and it tallies up all the different crimes you've committed throughout the game. And I th- I think that, that series is really interesting because it do- it doesn't give you that many choices, but you know, it's kind of like Shadow Colossus or, or Braid in this way, that it's only in retrospect you realize how evil you are. If you think about it, the, the villain in that game, Chuck, he's a, a ghost pirate or pirate ghost, something of that nature. And the whole thing about him is that he just wants to marry the governor, which makes him kind of a sympathetic character. He's not actually, like, trying to... I mean, I think he is trying to rule islands, too, but for the most part, he just wants this woman to love him, which I, know, I thought was kind of endearing. But at the same time... He's unlikable because of, of what he does to achieve that. Conversely, Guybrush Threepwood wants the exact same thing. He's also in love with the same woman. And if you think about it, he's not really any nicer than LeChuck. He's always you know, committing some form of crime or another, like raising the dead or locking someone in a, a coffin while they're still alive. And my favorite is in the first game, there's a, an encounter near the end of the game where you're, you're trying to, to rescue the governor and you, you go to where the bad guys are, and at this point you've acquired some potion that will kill ghosts. And you find LeChuck's right-hand man, Bob. And he's, the whole joke about Bob is that he's very cordial and compliant throughout the entire game. And he's just, he was kidnapped by LeChuck and forced to be his errand boy. But the whole time he, he's just trying to help you. He's like, yeah, they, they went off to Melee Island, you know, and they left me behind here. And you can keep threatening him with your potion and just be like, tell me more, you ghost scum. And he's like, why are you doing this? I'm helping you. And at the end of the conversation, if you really want to, you can just go and dissolve him anyway. And then I believe Guybrush laughs about it and walks on. And I think everyone who played that game did it because it's just it's so funny and so cruel. And no one ever made a fuss about it then because it was obviously a very cartoony game. But I just thought it was really interesting that, you know, because there was no morality meter or various endings, there was no... It didn't hurt the game at all to be evil, so I think that people were more inclined to choose it just because it was funny and it fit that game's sense of humor. And so I think that that answered a completely different question than the one you asked. Well, not necessarily. I think it's, it's, it, it, there is a relevance in terms of like it, it, the context of where we are as society now and when we were, where we were in Monkey, Monkey Island. And the, it's actually a embarrassingly large amount of time than I'd like to admit but uh, you know I, I think uh, as old as it sounds old man as it sounds times have changed and uh, as I guess society as a whole we feel more uh, separate separated and isolated from uh, youth uh, than we ever had before you know there's uh, uh, more worry about uh, the young generation doing more despicable things at earlier ages and I know I appreciate that's probably gone on from uh, generations upon generations, but at the same time, there is a great worry that video games right now are, are maybe part of the cause. And uh, obviously, we all feel that it's all been overblown. But uh, is there absolutely no smoke without fire? I think you could probably dedicate an entire podcast to the subject of you know <laughs> what's what's the social responsibility of video games. That said. Uh, I don't ever want to say that like a game that lets you be evil and do all these horrible things shouldn't exist because that's just silly. Um, 
that said, I think the most uh, the most interesting games that handle the ability to be evil will be the ones that uh, illustrate the consequences uh, in a way that even if it was a ch- uh, you know a teenager or a child that was playing it, it wouldn't just be like reckless evil and just being malicious for its own sake and you know sort of teaching the wrong lessons in a sense. I mean, is that is that why? Something like Grand Theft Auto catches so much controversy, whereas, say, something like Mad World, which uh, it's interesting because I just I did, uh, did a versus no podcast with uh, Eddie Anzato and Christos Reed over at Game Note earlier this weekend, uh, and in the after show, rape play came up, and uh, one of the things Christos said was, "Of course, I'm sure all of us here think rape play is terrible, shouldn't be allowed, etc." Uh, and obviously, fair enough, but uh, why is it okay, say, in Grand Theft Auto Four? For us to go around mercilessly killing people, like, like you were saying, it's it's that playground of uh, destruction, almost without consequence. But it's not okay for us to to rape them, and I'm not saying it should be. I'm just saying, what does that say about society and uh, and gaming? I think that America, in particular, has a lot of hangups about sex and that sort of thing. From what I've heard about rape play, it actually sounds pretty interesting to me. I'd I'd like to play it, but I'm I'm not quite sure how to get it or don't really want to spend enough money to, to try it out, but what I've heard about that game is that the, the game has two endings, and in one of them, your character feels so guilty about what he's done that he kills himself, and in the other one, he's killed by his rape victim. So I think that it actually does have a real story to tell, and you know does show consequences of its actions, so I kind of wish that more games would explore that those issues. Of course, I mean, there's a lot of uh, I haven't really, I don't know enough about Rape Play to comment on that, but, but um, there's uh, a lot of issues with that in America. I mean, we have, you know, we show violence in everything here, it's fine, but, you know, if you curse on TV, you're the devil. If you show any type of sex or nudity, you're absolutely you're shunned from society. I mean, Indigo Prophecy is the best example of that, because there's quite a bit of violence in that game, but the one thing that they censored was a sex scene that got cut out of the U.S. release, and I think that's, I mean... It's just the way the society is. I mean, it's with games, it's with movies, with television. It's just American society tries to push down certain aspects of the, you know, the language and sex, nudity, that type of thing. But violence is kind of accepted in a way, and I'm not sure why that is. It says a lot about our culture, I suppose. But, I mean, you know, Grand Theft Auto, I mean, even if you go back to the earlier games, the ones that were, you know, uh, brought up by Congress, Night Trap and Mortal Kombat, those games have, you know, hardcore violence. But... Despite all that, despite the fact that the rating system was set up, none of that was ever censored. And we're seeing games get censored now quite a bit all over the place. And games like even Condemned 2, had to, they had to work with the ratings board to get that game out because they wanted to you know, be able to push the boundaries of what the rating could hold, but they didn't want to go too far where they'd get an AO. So I think it's interesting that you know, now things are starting to get pushed back a little bit because of the advance of technology and things are getting held down. There, the limits of what is acceptable, quote-unquote, is being you know, pushed to its limit with seemingly every couple of months. Um, and I think, I, I'm hoping that we're going to continue to see more exploration of these these crazy, you know, uh, genre-defining, uh, limit-pushing topics. But it, the fact of the matter is, if a game does get built like that, and late in development they say, well, this is going to get an AO, we can't publish it, I mean, who's really going to take that risk? Well, like I said, that's another problem entirely that we talked about on and on, I mean, the, the whole issue with AO and the fact that, that, you know, none of the consoles will carry a game with an AO rating is sort of a, it's a pretty big issue in itself, I think. 
one issue I, I've often had with morality in games is the way that trophies and achievements are are executed, where they give you one for doing one choice and one for another, and I hate that because I don't want to care about trophies and achievements, but to an extent I do. So, you know, right now I'm playing Infamous for the second time, and the first time I was good almost the entire way through. This time I'm playing Evil, but there's still a few times when I'm picking good, just because it it makes more sense to that character, like the first choice of whether, whether or not to share food with the public or take it all for yourself. Like, there's no reason that you would be a jerk in that situation, and it's after that where the city betrays you, and it gives you a little bit more motivation to go either way. Uh, but part of me really wanted to just pick the other option just because I hadn't seen it before, just for the achievement. And I think that these kind of, these, you know, these meters and and other kind of arbitrary statistic rewards really rob us of the impact of, you know, of having our choice matter. Yeah, I know. It gives I, you an extra incentive. I totally agree, because especially, I mean, even just the, the core mechanic of it, where you're watching this really, you know, supposedly emotional scene, and then the little achievement unlocked thing pops up on the corner <laughs> of the screen, it kind of takes you out of it a little bit. Um, that's happened to me a few times, actually. So, um, but I, yeah, I don't know. Um, that's, that's all on the developers who decide that that moment is going to be the time that something gets unlocked for you. Um, but I, I don't know. Um, well, just to, to go on that, I think it it is a it is a really interesting thing, and I think obviously when we're now in a situation where every Xbox 360 and every PlayStation 3 game has to have achievements and trophies, and I'd love to see a game not like Avatar just say, you know what, thousand points at the start, now focus on the game, and really try to you know, especially in relation to what you're talking about, Jeffrey, because I think I I do as much as I tell myself that achievements don't matter, uh, I'm a rational, logical person who doesn't care about stupid little number of points at the bottom of my screen, whatever. Uh, I get annoyed when I see that happen too. I don't know. I, I think that the problem is that like there are people now that who play games just for achievements, who rent buy games just for achievements, and I don't think that that's going to go away. But I think it's more in the developer's hands where if they, they can be implemented right. They just have to think about what the player would be at that point and in, in what their mindset would be when they had this stupid little icon pop up on screen and the sound pop up. Um, you know, like I think Fallout did it okay because they waited until after everything was done before you got your little icon pop up. They didn't do it in the middle of a big cutscene, like as your, you know, uh, main character is dying, something pops up on screen that lets you know that, hey, they're dead, you get 20 points. Um <laughs> So I guess it can be done in, in certain ways, right? But uh, it's well, I'm not talking as much about the pop-up, although that's that's also annoying. I'm just talking about the way that they influence you to play a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like I've played Mass Effect three times, but the first time I played, I played pretty much all good. Second time, all evil, and it wasn't until the third time that where I felt like I could actually play it, doing what I wanted to do because I wanted to see the two extremes first. Well, I think if you really care enough about that, you'll just say, F it, I'll worry about the achievements on my second run-through, I'm just going to do whatever I want the first time. I mean, at least the, you know, the option is there that you can skip past that stuff if you'd like to. We've been talking about these games that have the good and evil paths, and I mean, in most games, that at least that I can think of it, that I've played, even if you choose the evil path, your character isn't truly evil. I mean, we were talking about this before, how... You know, even though like an in infamous, you're, you're you're doing the evil path, you're doing all these evil, crazy things, and especially in Fallout, it's the same way. Um, in the end, you still save the world or save 
you know, a certain part of humanity, do something good in the final moments of the game, despite the fact that you've been doing all these heinous things for the earlier, the earlier moments. Mass Effect was that way, too, where you could be as evil as you want and kill as many people as you want, but in the end, you were still saving the galaxy. So, with that, I just want to ask you guys, do you think that there will ever be a game where you are truly evil, where, at the end, your decision actually changes things. It makes, you know, it, it, it as, is, is as evil as the choices you had been making up to this point. Do you think these things can actually affect an ending, or are they just going to remain these binary choices that, in the end, don't really matter all that much? I mean, there are, there, there are games, right? Uh, I mentioned this in the last time I was on Streets of Rage, uh, had, the, had the good ending and the bad ending. Uh, so you could, uh, you could fight through. I, I don't remember how you did it. I think you had to, like, Play with two players, and then you, if one person decided to join the evil guy, and then the other person didn't. Then you would fight each other, and if the person that wanted to join the evil side won, then you would see a bad ending. I mean, uh, bad endings exist. But the, the thing is that um, I don't know. It's 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 hard because it either has to be that where you you play through the whole game, and then there's either ending A or ending B, or or the game has to kind of dovetail off into completely different things at some point. And that makes it you know, extremely difficult. If you're a developer, you have to basically make two different games where the whole course of events has changed because of the decisions you've made. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong that, that there could be a way to, to keep everything on the same track, but it seems really difficult to me. This is the part of the podcast where Joe brings up Heavy Rain. <laughs> no, I'm going to get there before him. So, uh, <laughs> <Asterix. laughs> what, uh, what I was going to say, I, I, not just limiting it to whether you choose or, or not, you know, even with a linear game. I, I, I think this is why game the, the two Manhunt games had a lot of problems because you couldn't really understand with or identify with. Uh, the uh, main character and his intentions, and okay, I, I, I appreciate, I understand the, the plot of Manhunt, but it still felt, for me at least, playing both those games, that I couldn't at any stage go, well, that's what I would do. That's what anyone would do. That's the normal thing to do in this situation. And I, I again, I, I understand it's a bit more complicated with that, but I, I think with video games, that's where the interactivity comes into it. I think you can maybe watch someone totally insane in a movie and go well that guy is totally insane but when the game asks you to become that that that's maybe a bit too far and I, I always think with evil characters the best ones are the ones that you can identify with and understand and maybe even like to some extent even though they are incredibly evil and uh, uh, I guess that's why Sephiroth to some extent is, is so popular as a, as, a, as a game character. I'm glad you mentioned that because there's, there's a point that I wanted to bring up which is um my feeling is that, you know, in, in life, a lot of people who are, you know, evil people, so to speak, they don't start out that way, you know? So, I, I haven't really... I, I, the only way I can think that I might be compelled to play as an evil character is if you're kind of led down that path uh, in, in really complicated ways, you know? You, I'd like to play a game where you're subtly sort of forced to make these decisions, and then suddenly you realize that you know, you're a bad guy, and you've, you've gotten to this point of no return, and you can't go back, and, and now that's it, you're, you're evil. Uh, you've been turned into an evil person by events that maybe you had some, some choice over, but some that were sort of beyond your control. Um, and that, I think, would be, you know, creating a truly evil protagonist. Well, but, oh, sorry, no, you go. 
I was just going to say real quick that, I mean, the Force Unleashed kind of, I thought that's what that was going to be beforehand because you play as you know, Darth Vader's apprentice, you play as this evil character, and I thought that the whole thing was going to be kind of like that, but, I mean, a couple hours into the game, all of a sudden this guy doesn't want to be evil anymore, and he's, you know, he's starting to slowly, you know, go against the Empire in that game, so... I mean, that, that game had a lot of potential to be that kind of thing where, you know, you don't really, you're doing all these things, you don't really have an idea of what all, the result of all of this is, and in reality, you're, you're serving this evil empire and, and hurting a lot of people, but, I mean, that game turned and completely went away from that, uh, and I'd like to see more games go into that path of start out with this, you know, uh, ambiguous character who ends up being this sinister bastard. Well, I think that's exactly what Grand Theft Auto 4 was trying to be. I mean, it, it tries to tell you about Nico's... Uh life in, in Eastern Europe and, and why he is who he is. And it was like, okay, I get that. And then, and this is obviously what a lot of people complained about, towards the end of the game's story, he just started acting very recklessly and oddly in combat, in particular, you know, just uh, acting as if he was totally and utterly enraged. And, and sometimes it made sense. And other times it was like, well, he's just doing this quite unimportant mission right now. Why is he so pumped up and, and, and twisted and, and almost insane? And I, at that point, I, I stopped really understanding the character. Uh, at the same time, everything up to that point, I felt they got very close to what you were saying, Jared, of building up this character, which you almost understand why he's doing the things he is and almost, in fact, forgive him for doing the things that he's doing. Most games that that I think have, have dealt with, with evil in a good way have been games that have been very, very linear. Of course, you mentioned uh, Shadow of the Colossus and Monkey Island and Braid and probably add the darkness, something of that nature to to this. I was wondering if there were any games, since all of us here agree that we generally start out at least playing a game as good, and then maybe later we'll go back and fuck around just to see what you can do in the game. How often have any of us come upon a decision in a game where we chose evil on purpose because it felt like something something we would do, or you know, something that... You know, how many of us chose evil of our own accord? Uh, I, I did a couple of times in Fallout 3, and I, I really wish I could give you the specific things. I can tell you which mission it was. I can we just it's... forget about like giveaway spoilers then? Because I want to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, certainly. I, I, I really wish I could specifically tell you um, exactly what it was, but I think it's the mission where you meet the vampires. And I quite I did know what was going on, I and I said, well, actually, you know what? In this situation, I think it kind of makes more sense to do this. And I, I thought about it a long time afterwards, and obviously... Not that hard, because I've completely forgotten exactly what I did. But, uh, yeah, and I, I think it made me kind of consider, well, it, it, what does that say about me? And, and I guess that's what I think is... I I think that's when a game... If a game makes it makes you really want to go back and think about your decisions, then it's been a, a very, very good video game. And there have not been nearly enough that have done that. And I don't think that is limited to technology or whatever. I think even with a binary, binary choice, you can... It should be more like uh, you're saying, more ambiguous. Uh, that the, the the black and whiteness doesn't even with even with a binary choice, it shouldn't be black and white. I agree. There was a really yeah, good part in, sorry, uh, yeah. There was a really good part in Fallout Three where um, you, it's that part where you're transported into that alternate, uh, you know, like that happy oh, ideal yeah. black and white neighborhood. Oh, yeah. And so the, the guy is asking you to do all these mean things, and you realize eventually that you can get out of this this area without doing these things, but it's not you know it's not for a little while that you that you realize that because you're just thinking well I don't really have any other way out of this I just have to you know I have to 
tell this kid that his parents are getting divorced or whatever it was. Uh, and, uh, you know, that, that's the only way that I can, that I can advance the mission. And that was really great, you know, because it, it puts you in this position of, of what seems like powerlessness to go the easy route, even though it's, it's evil. That's what I'd like to see more. That's kind of what I was talking about before is where you sort of, you sort of put on this path and you don't necessarily realize that there's another way to do things unless you're really thinking about it. Um, and then suddenly you're just kind of, you've just kind of become an evil character and it's, it's too late to turn around. That's what I'd like to see. You know, I'd like to see that idea that was done in Fallout 3 sort of done more to the point that, it, you know, the whole game would be kind of like that in a sense. I agree. Um, one, another example like that was the first mist where you don't even know how to beat the game at first. You don't know what the goal of the game is. And then you find out that it's, it's different than what you thought it was all along. And if you go the, you know, the paths that you're fed, you'll end up, you know, doing bad things upon the world. What I'd, and and to, to make up for me interrupting when Joe was going to bring up Heavy Rain, uh, what I'd love to see in Heavy Rain is the idea of, again, these ambiguous choices, but because of the way that game works, the quickness of the event kind of playing in, the, in that and not giving you enough time to really consider exactly what you're doing and then reflecting maybe on the immediacy of having done made the wrong choice. Uh, and I... God. If that game doesn't <laughs> meet our expectations after all the melt we've blabbered about it, I'm going to stop this show and just cry in a corner. Is there going to be a heavy rain edition of, of Big Red Potion? I'm not sure. Heavy rain month. <laughs> Man, don't give us ideas. <laughs> I mean, one of the games that um, I hate to go back to this well again, but Silent Hill 2 kind of had these. Uh, Bingo! I knew it was going I had to get it in there someplace. Uh, yeah, so that game, I mean, you, you kind of made the choices that you thought were right, and um, little did you know that the game was keeping track of a couple other factors that you had no idea were happening. I've mentioned this before, but, I mean, you have this companion character, and if you let her get hit by enemies, that counts towards your morality in that game, and that kind of makes you a bad guy because you're letting this character get hurt. And it's, I mean, it is easy to protect her. You just kind of have to shoot the things around her. But the other crazy thing with that game is if you kill a lot of creatures, that also counts towards your, your bad side morality. So you have to kind of get her through these situations while also not killing a whole lot of things. Because obviously if you're killing all these creatures, you're, 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 you have these murderous tendencies that are going to count towards your negative side. And I mean, as I've mentioned before, my first playthrough of the game, the main character uh, at the end of the game gets in his car, drives into a lake and kills himself because all the choices I had been making, even though many of them I thought were right and I thought were you know, the, the quote-unquote good thing to do in that situation, many of the things that I were doing, my actions weren't actually good things to do. They, I was letting her get hurt. I was um, There's this point where this conversation is going on and if you don't listen to the whole thing, that counts. If you like run past it and you skip, you go through a door, that skips the conversation. If you do that, that counts towards your bad side. So all these other facts, my actions were actually saying that I was going towards one path while all my choices, the A and B choices, were going towards a different one. And in the end, for me, the bad side won out, and that was my ending. So I would love to see stuff like that, where it's not really easy to get the ending that you want. You don't have to you know, pick A or B to get the ending that you want. And it, it's also kind of ambiguous in how it's keeping track of you know, what ending you're going to get. I'd love to see more stuff like that, but I can't think of another game, except possibly the new Silent Hill which keeps track of everything you do. If you if you make a left at this turn instead of a right, 
it will keep track of that choice. It will affect the game somehow. And if you if you you know try and run from every enemy immediately, or if you you know try and find a way to fight them or something, that counts. Everything, every moral choice that you make in that game counts towards something in that game. So I'm hoping that that will be as interesting as it could. But I can't really think of another game that's done something that way, even though Silent Hill 2 came out in 2001. I, mean, I think the issue with a lot of these games is that they, they just give you more rewards for, for being good in the long run, like Bioshock, or, you know, there is some discrepancy about whether or not Infamous or Mass Effect's powers are, are better playing one way or another, but for the most part, they these games, whether they give you cool powers for playing as good or more currency, um, you know, for doing good deeds, or just, um, you know, the, the true ending or, you know, the better ending, it seems like too too many games kind of want you to go down this path of being good and I think it would be really interesting to have a game where by choosing good there has to be some real consequences and I was thinking um, on our show about death Joe brought up the idea of what if Dead Space had ended with you being able to stay behind and plant a bomb or escape and I guess kind of my issue with that is everyone would just plant the bomb because even if you die you'd be at the end of the game anyway so I'm wondering I think it would be kind of interesting to have a game where if you choose the good path, the game ends earlier, and if you choose the bad path, there's more game. And I'm wondering if a society would buy that. People might just consider the the later ending, the ending that has more content. Um, you know, they have to do to unlock as the true ending. Whereas I wonder if people would be able to accept that an earlier altruistic ending was an equally valid way of concluding the story. I mean, this is again getting into what I was kind of saying uh, in the parts of the show about role play and and games and reality. And you know, obviously, reality is not so simple as to say uh, the good choice will always end in, in good consequences. And uh, I, I, I'm unsure if I want video games to to explore that fully. I'm not sure if I want video games to to attain that level of realism. I think it's interesting, and I, I am interested by it. I'm not necessarily sure it's fun. Uh, and I'm not saying video games have to be fun, but I'm not entirely sure what I would get from that, uh, apart from thinking, well, damn, that was kind of a bummer at the end of it, and uh, kind of being left a bit a bit disconsolate by the whole thing. Uh, we could certainly go into that a lot more, but uh, we have pretty much reached the end of the show. So... Uh, <laughs> What I will say is thank you very much to our two guests, uh, to uh, Jared Newman and Jeffrey Matleff. Guys, do you want to uh, throw out some plugs and shout-outs for anyone this week? Uh, sure, okay. So, as always, you can find my stuff at uh, gamereviews.com with Joe and Sinan. I've had uh, a ton of previews go up since E3, including Mass Effect that uh, Joe brought up. So you can check that out, and also my blog at jumpingmustache.com. Um, otherwise, I, like I said, I tend to some computer issues, so I may be offline for the next week or so, so I'll leave the internet in your capable hands, soon. <laughs> wow, what a, what a decision to make. That's going to end on some poor consequences. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Jared, <laughs> how about you? Um, well, I'm, I'm, if you want to read some of my tech stuff, I'm actually blogging for PC World right now, uh, so oh, that's wow. pretty awesome. Um, Congratulations. And as usual, thanks, thanks. Um, and, uh, uh, as usual, Net Technologizer and uh, Earcrave, as well as the rest of the, the Ucrave network. There's some other sites on there as well. And uh, let's see, Games Abyss and CD Freaks. So check those sites out. And uh, my website's jarednewman.com. Excellent stuff. Uh, before I hand over to Jared, I'll just uh, 
say a shout out to the Unified Games Network, who we're part of. Uh, they're going to form part of our special episode next week, and uh, there's actually a meetup happening the day before we record. So uh, hopefully, I'm going to be restrained and not do what I did in the last meetup, uh, drinks-wise. Uh, but on that note, a shout-out rather belatedly to uh, Zan, who will be one of the guests on the show next week, and Mrs. Zan, because their baby was born a couple of weeks back. Uh, quite early, too, so congrats to the Zan family plus one. Uh, Joe, final thought for this week, and uh, plugs and shout-outs and all that. Another congrats to Zan, of course. And uh, I just wanted to say thanks to Strident, who made the wonderful Big Red Potion bingo. I can announce that today's episode scored a nine. So we didn't quite hit all the targets today. Lee Alexander, TGR, <laughs> Oddfuck. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. So hopefully we'll do better next week. Keep it up. Yeah. Uh, my final thought then is that uh, based on uh, my drinks testing over the last few weeks, uh, Dr Pepper is better than LucasAid, and that's a fact. So uh, until next week, which will be a very very special episode of Big Red Potion. Have a great one, and uh, don't make any bad choices thank you for listening to Big Red Potion brought to you by the Game Reviews Game On Network check out BigRedPotion.com for updates on the show and TheGameReviews.com for more thoughts from the TGR crew Big Red Potion is also proud to be part of the Unified Gamers Network which you can now find at UnifiedGamersNetwork.com you can also find both Sinan and Joe on Twitter at Twitter.com forward slash Shoinan S-H-O-I-N-A-N and Twitter.com forward slash Slam Vanderhuge Slam V-A-N-D-E-R-H-U-G-E and you can also contact us at our email address BigRedPotion at gmail.com all that's left to do is thank the man behind the theme tune Derek K. Miller Derek, take us out with washing off like an aardvark